I remember sitting in the car thinking to myself, so where am I going to get my next paycheck? Yeah. Right? Um, then I, everything changed for me right then. I was like, you know what, Sipo, you need to take a different direction now. Hi, and welcome to the Lee TV podcast. I'm Lennox Wasara. Welcome to the show. He's focusing this season on stories of growth and progress. Today, I'm joined by Sipon Gwenya, previously known as Saifo. He's an entertainer of note. He was a, a child star at the age of 12, seen on Yo! TV, went on to play the role Ajax on SABC1 on the famous soapy known as Generations. And you might recognize his face from that uh, soapy, actually. But uh, as life went on, he actually uh, fell in love with the academics as well, managed to bag his MBA from Gibbs, uh, which is one of the leading business schools in Africa. Sipo, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, nice that you got an MBA, but also an award-winning uh, actor. <laughs> uh, Lennox, yeah, ew, that's uh, quite an intro, that one. Th thanks for having me. I feel very honored. Saving the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know, right? <laughs> we don't know. I still don't know what MBA stands for, but I'm here. <laughs> I mean, I, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, do you actually become a child star by design or by accident? Was this part of a plan or it just so happened that you ended up on TV and you thought, hey, well, let me Look, do this? I think it was just divine intervention, right? Uh, I've never had aspirations of being on television. I've never had aspirations of becoming a popular person. I think it was just me being at the right place at the right time. Uh, my brother actually wanted to become a, a television presenter. So I accompanied him um, and my mom after school to get enrolled at some casting agency. And I, I was just minding my business. And the lady who owned the company was like, hey, let's also try him out. They put me on camera. Uh, next thing, I landed my first television gig on Kidio. <laughs> Funny enough. Check us about that, because that, at the time, you were also in school. And I know one person who uh, was a child star, how he said, when I went to school, one thought, oh, that's a guy on TV. Oh, yeah. he's not so cool. Did you get that kind of feedback? Or people were like, oh, wow, you're on TV. Like, they were kind of excited. Look, I think I was too young to notice the, the attention, right? And also, I think at that age, other kids don't really treat you differently, right? right? Because you, you're just like another kid, right? Uh, I did the same things as them, playing football, you know, going to karate, you know. So I think because of that environment, it was fine. I think I only started noticing it when I went to high school. Then it started becoming different, right? Because now it's all those other kids who are now teenagers and they also have possible aspirations of being in your shoes, for yeah. instance, right? So that's when I started noticing that, hey, actually this thing is bigger than what I thought it was, right? And especially when I got into adult entertainment. Well, yeah. not, not that adult entertainment, but, you know, on Generations, right? So now you're dealing with um, professional actors. You're dealing with people that you used to idolize. It's a different ball game. And then the pressures come in, in terms of, you know, what, what kind of car you drive, uh, what kind of girl you're dating. You know, all those adult types of pressures yeah. that society brings onto you. That, that, that's where the difficulty then started for me in terms of trying to balance my personal life versus the life that people see on TV. Very important point you raise there. Mirroring the image people see on TV and the perception they have about that and actually your lifestyle. You know, and some people say fake it till you make it yeah. and make some really bad decisions, maybe yeah. getting into a lot of debt and stuff like that. I mean, how did you navigate that? You know, of like, hey, I'm on TV all the time, but like maybe you don't have a Ferrari, you know, like, People expect that. Look, I'm going to say something quite bold. And, and I had this conversation the other day with another friend of mine. You know, 
the fame is a disease, right? Some people do get hooked onto the idea of fame. If you are not well grounded, you know, you, you can get hurt. I learned a, a lot of lessons myself. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to things like debt, when it comes to mingling with the wrong company, um, you know. So it's when you get over that uh, hump, I guess, right? Uh, and and the decisions you make after that that will sustain you, right? It's fine for you to go through it because you have to, right? You can't learn that lesson from anybody else. Nobody else can say these are the mistakes that I made, etc., etc., because the information doesn't quite land the, the way it would if you were going through that exercise. So what was the biggest like, lesson you learned? Was it like, maybe a decision that you'd made and you're like, oh, I wish I shouldn't have done that? I think it was a money lesson, mm. right? I mean, I used to be quite reckless with money. And I, I mean, I was a kid. Uh, and I, I think also my mom trusted me enough to give me the independence to use my money however I wanted to use it, right? But that kind of trust and independence comes with a lot of you know, responsibility, right? So I'm glad I learned that lesson of not valuing money the way you should, yeah. um, spending it on the right things. Along the way, you pick up like really bad habits. And for me, one of them was like entertaining people. So I wouldn't mind going out with friends and you know, you know, footing the ball because I was like, it's money, you know, it's, it's easy money for me, right? All I have to do is get on screen and I get paid for it. While other kids have to go to varsity, get a degree, you know, start their first job, and I would say peanuts in, my, in, in those terms. So they really value money, you're right, because they really work hard for it. For me, all I had to do was learn a script, yeah, yeah. right? Other people might argue and say even that is difficult. But because for me it came so natural, I didn't feel like it was a job, right? So to answer your question, I think definitely the lesson I learned there was to value money more, Man. right? And how to, I won't say how to spend it, but... You know, you must enjoy your money, but at the same time, you must also be aware that there is a tomorrow, right? Yeah, one of the other things you valued early on was also getting two uh, Best Present Awards. I mean, quite early on. I mean, what does that do for your self-esteem? What does it do for your confidence as you're growing up? Because you are in your formative years. Yeah. Look, when I, when I got to understand what television was all about, obviously, then there, there comes goals that you set for yourself. And I think the pinnacle of any actor or presenter is to be recognized for the work that you do right so obviously for me it was a great achievement I felt like you know I'm doing the right thing and it definitely did boost my confidence to say I mean because I mean I think when you grow up you start to have a lot of self-doubt right yeah. um, and that gave me that kind of like uh, certification to say you know you're doing a good job then comes then the longevity right to say do I want to stay in this for more years or do I call it quits um, yeah. So I continued. Glad you continued because many people got to enjoy uh, the work that you managed to produce. And uh, I mean, for me, uh, I'm thinking about you know the transition from okay, uh, child star, now you you know going to like a much bigger sort of soapy. Uh, you mentioned a few things earlier, and, and one of the things that I can that comes to mind is that you know I mean I remember when I started on campus uh, radio station and then moving to commercial, it's like a different league. Did it feel like that for you, like a different league, and you felt like a different level of pressure that, oh, now you need to show up in a different way? You know, what was that like? You know, did you have to learn your lines and, and your script in a different way? Um, take us through that sort of like awkward transition. Well, the world's kind of like had like a, a natural progression in terms of transition for me, right? It was in 2010 when my contract with Generations came to an end, and I was like, what's next, right? What's, what, what, where to from here? And in a way, I did feel 
I did feel a bit sad because it was the first time where I felt like, ah, they don't want me on the show. Because <laughs> natu- like, I would feel inadequate, you know? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, naturally, what would happen every year, you get contract renewals, like, you know, it's like, okay, are you, you going to continue or not? It's the most awkward time for actors, right? Because now it's like, do I have a job or don't I have a job? Uh, and you have that difficult conversation with the owners of the, the company mm-hmm. or, or the show, and then they tell you, cool, we're going to give you another contract or not, right? And my negotiation didn't go the way that I thought. I went in there thinking I'm going to go ask for more money. Right. And the guys made it clear, clear that there's no more money. And if you're not happy, then we have to call it quits, right? And I wasn't willing to actually stay, right? So we just parted ways. You know, the employer said, sorry, your contract is ended. It was great. Uh, I remember sitting in, in the car thinking to myself, so where am I going to get my next paycheck yeah right then i everything changed for me right then i was like you know what Sipo, you need to take a different direction now right uh maybe the fame thing is it's not really sustainable for you right it could be sustainable for someone else but f- for me I, I didn't like that level of anxiety of not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow right so i decided to pursue business and start my own company and that's when i went fully into producing other artists running my own record label uh, and the books hadn't even come in yet right sure. because i had no degree all i had was my um, my matric certificate also didn't have enough funds to actually take me to school so i continued with the music thing which kind of like brought in a bit of money and that money i then used to fund my next chapter which was going to school so i got a few certificates nothing big um, i still didn't have like a, a degree of some sort and then that business kind of like tanked it doesn't go as well as I thought. Uh, I mean, look, the music business, business itself is also quite cutthroat, right? Um, and especially in SA, where it's not so formalized, we have like a few big players, you know, uh, big record companies that kind of like control the landscape. And for me, these gatekeepers make it very difficult for someone who's an independent trying to make it on their own. So I gave up the fight. I re- realized that I'm actually spending way too much money into this, into this business. So I was like, you know what, let me actually try become an executive. Right. And that was in 2014 uh, when I joined Multi Choice. Interesting. I, I listened to one of your songs uh, with Aifani Munduami. Yeah, it, yeah. it was a big song at some time. How did that come about? It so this was during my years of still trying to make it in the music business, right? Yeah. Uh, Aifani and I had tried to collaborate like years before, but it didn't work out. So I think he moved to the Eastern Cape, then he came back. When he came back, he was actually looking for a song for himself. And we were kind of like, I invited him to my studio. We started messing around. And I played him this beat that was very cheesy, if I have to put it in, yeah. in that sense. And because he's also quite a, I don't know, he's, he's very expressive and he's a, he's a fun character, man. Um, we decided to take the song in that direction, right? And he came up with the theme of the song itself and I just went with it man and just, yeah. it was quite a fun experience but yeah I, I think that was like the second last song that I released mm. after that I released another song called Gold and that song didn't take off as well as I thought it would and that was also the time when I was not sure if I wanted to stay within the entertainment business because also I think my confidence has, had taken quite a knock yeah. I think the sound also of music was changing there were new younger kids coming on onto the scene and they were taking the sound somewhere else yeah. you know in another direction and i wasn't quite comfortable with that 
um, because I, I felt like, I don't know, man, I felt like I was too old to do that kind of sound. And it was fine. I was like, you know, maybe it's time for the next generation to, to, to take over, right? And I'm, I'm glad I made that decision because I don't have that level of anxiety that I used to have. I don't have that self-doubt that I used to have. I don't, I feel very confident in, in the person that I am yeah. today. I don't feel pressured by the things that I used to be pressured by. And I've also built like a, a great network, I think, of support now. Um, because of, you know, making that one decision to say, let me go to school, right? Uh, and not to say that that's, that's the way you're going to find all the answers, right? I could have done this without an MBA. I could have done this without, without a BCom. Yeah. But at least what it did do was give me a different perspective of life um, and building a, a new network of friends and people that you can, you know, bounce off ideas with who are in completely different uh, businesses, right? Yeah. And industries th that I operate in, but at least what they did do for me was just give me more, more layers to my onion, yes, you yes. know? And that has also given me the confidence to, to approach life very differently. I like that. You, you have now like a theoretical framework that you're moving li you know, through life with, through courtesy of the studies. And now you're an executive at Showmax. Yeah. I mean, with all the lessons you've learned, right? You mentioned some things that are, I think, a little unfair. And I think the industry experiences a lot of this where people get fired via text message. Somebody rocks up to work and they say, hey, well, there's a new person on the job now. Um, how would you do that differently if you're on their shoes and you know, you're, you're managing talent and actors and presenters? I mean, how would you actually handle that? I mean, what is the right way to handle that? I think, I think you need to create a space where everybody can feel there's a certain level of trust to right. have these open conversations. Trust, that's, yeah. that's the most important thing because you can't lead without trust, right? Um, and there's actually a, a, study, a study on that um, with the current CEO of uh, Microsoft, right? And that's one of his tools that he uses in terms of uh, having open conversations. Um, and that re really does improve how the comp company's culture, you know, works, right? The, if, whether you want to push uh, drive results, whether you want to change, the, you know, how the business operates, etc. I think if there's no trust, nobody's going to come to you and say, this is my issue with X, Y, Z. The only way for me um, to, to have a, a healthy organization, right, a healthy culture is by, you know, open conversations and trust. And then, and then I think then everything else can sort itself out. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very true. Because um, it's also people's livelihoods that, that people depend on this. Yeah. So when these decisions are made, you know, there's a lot of stake for many yeah. stakeholders. Yeah, this also then goes to the, the conversation part, right? And yeah. the, this is information sharing. If people buy into the vision of the business, right, and they all know which direction we're going in, it's, it's very easy for me now to decide and say, I don't like this direction, I'm actually going to jump off. But at least I was given the opportunity to know where we are headed, right? Um, uh, because not everybody's going to buy in. Yeah. It's one of those, right? It's either, like you see Paul saying, I've just joined MultiChoice, yeah. and MultiChoice uh, has a, a, a very weird way of operating that I don't like. Uh, maybe they're they, they hurting the environment in some way, and I go to them and I say, guys, I don't like what you're doing because X, Y, Z. And then they're like, well, I'm sorry, but th this is the direction we're going in. Either you're with us or not. And I then have to make a decision of whether do I stay 
or do I leave? Listen to you, I'm like thinking, I, you know, you're really a good man and uh, you can't hold a good man down because your story is about resilience as yeah, well because yeah. you realize that at some point that you're going to take a redirection. It was like a time of redirection in your career and your life and then you went, you know, you'd rather go uh, business owner and more yeah. like management and, you know, pursue my studies. I mean, I think a lot of people find themselves in those situations where you have to do a bit of redirection. Mm. You know, it's like, a, it's a bit of an identity shift as well in many ways. So, you also had to fund yourself through your studies, but you didn't have a lot of money to do mm. so. So what gave you the resiliency and like the, the mentality or maybe the entrepreneurial mindset to say, you know what, this is the way to go. I might not have money in my bank account right now, but I'm going to make a plan to get to where I want to get to because I'm taking a different direction. So how did you actually make that uh, a reality? Yeah. Well, I think it's two things, right? You can lead your own business or you can lead people in another business. Yeah, for sure. Right. Point is, you're still leading. And that, that's always been my thing, right? I want to lead people, whether that's for my organization or for somebody else's, right? The turning point for me was the realization that I was losing a lot of money and there was something that was missing, right? And that one thing that was missing for me is having the tools of leadership. And obviously, you, you, can, you can either learn that through a mentor or you can formalize it by going and getting a degree, right? So I chose the latter. Um, but I also think it's the support that I had um, from friends um, and family around then, right? Because everybody was like, you know, they, they could see the potential of this person wanting to influence people, right? I've always had that, but I, I never knew that I would do it for somebody else's company because I've always wanted to do it for my own company. Uh, but I, I don't regret the, the, the decision at all, right? Because doing it for a larger organization comes with even more responsibility, right? Um, because <laughs> the risk here is that this is not my money and therefore I need to be even more careful about it, right? So those decisions that we make on the daily are informed by, by many things, but at the same time, it has to come from the individual, right? To say, am I doing the right thing? And that, that is in, in your gut. It's something that you sometimes feel. Yes, we get the information that we yeah. need to make the decisions, but at the end of the day, it also comes from here. Yeah. You feel it when this is the right decision or not. Your intuition, right? yeah. Exactly. And then internally, the support that I then also got from my employer yeah. was them encouraging me, right? Because I made it quite clear to them that this is the direction that I want to go in this company. And they supported me all the way, making me, you know, do my MBA full time while I was still while I was still working. And they really were very supportive, right? To say, choose the 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 work that you want to do, and we'll get your team to assist you in terms of delivering the other tasks that you can't deliver. No, lovely. And and um, now you're working at one of the leading entertainment companies in Africa. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest ones in the world, yeah. particularly uh, Multi-Choice, mm. uh, particularly Showmax, yes. and your, the subsidiary. What are you learning about the South African content creation landscape? I mean, what are some of the insights you've been picking up uh, through your experience? Sure, it's quite a difficult one to answer. But look, I think we are in the most exciting period ever, right, when it comes to content. Um, only because we've now got, you know, the competition has increased, right? Uh, our competitors, I mean, they've been doing this longer than we have, but at the same time, they've come into a territory that is very volatile. Mm -hmm. So it requires quite um, a lot of innovation in terms of thinking, your approach, because back then it was just like, tell a story that will resonate with the people 
um, in your in your in your country. But now we have to tell stories that resonate with the continent, mm. right? Um, and uh, look, it comes easy for us to do that. But at the same time, we do take. Um, we do understand that we have so much competition, right? That can easily come and duplicate what we've been doing for so many years. But now that requires us to be <laughs> always a step ahead of what they're doing, right? Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, the level of competition that has increased has also brought up more television producers, more actors. You know, the, the, the industry itself is becoming um, very uh, rich with all this talent that we mm -hmm. have. Um, but it's also making people feel like this is an industry because back then, if you wanted to become an actor, your parents would say, no, go get a, a real job, right? Whereas now, you can say to your parents that we're going to become an actor. And there's so many different outlets in which you can do that for, right? Or do that at. But I think also what that has done is that it's increased the level of investment that is going in, right? We churn out you know, thousands and thousands of hours at MultiChoice and, and at Showmax. Um, and even now with the unbundling from NASPERS, what that has done for us as a business, it's required even, even more forward thinking about how we are going to sell our content, not just to the continent, but to the rest of the world, right? I think we're in a great space, not just the OTT players that are in the game, your SABCs, your ETVs, even they are starting to feel the pressure because for the longest time, it was like a one-man, one-horse race, right? SABC yeah. one, everybody went there for content. Now, you've got, people have options, yeah. right? And, and coupled with that, we have the whole data uh, price wars that are happening. You know, as, as we see data going down, um, it means that people now uh, can, can access, uh, you know, content from wherever on their phones. So now you also have to be very smart about how you package th that content for that specific um, customer, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's not just like a, a one-trick, you know, pony anymore. Um, you have to be very versatile um, in that you also have to be very resilient because it's it's not that easy. I, I mean, people know in the, the stories that that have been told about the subscribers that we're losing. Um, and we're not losing subscribers, right? Uh, the economy itself is, is a very challenging one, right? But at the same time, because pe people have so much choice, yeah. right? They go where, where they, where they want to go. Uh, but it's also true to say that when we lose subscribers, we're also gaining subscribers somewhere else, right? So it's, it's not just clear cut black and white. You yeah, know, it's, it's quite a juggle where we are. Many things at play, yeah. you know, once it, one gets a sense. Um, you're fortunate in the sense that, you know, uh, doing your studies is all about knowledge creation, but it's also about contributing to uh, practitioners as well, to, yeah. you know, to people who are actively uh, perhaps businesses and people who are operating in the space with a channel of research. Mm -hmm. So my final question to you, you know, obviously having studied at the University of Pretoria, mm -hmm. how has... Uh, you know, Gibbs enabled you to grow and to make progress because I know that your research was very much close to, <laughs> very much aligned with what you're doing. Yeah, look, and even that paper, look, when I wrote that paper, I wasn't quite sure uh, why I was writing it, right? And, and, you know, our professors always tell us, like, when you start the MBA, they're like, oh, the topic that you choose now might not be the, your final topic, etc., etc. But I, I thought at the time when I chose it, I was like, because I want to get into the space, right? Uh, I want to impress my employer because I know some way, somehow, I'm going to land up here. I guess 
I, I did speak it into the universe. Um, but I think most, mo most importantly, I, I analyzed the landscape, right? I saw what was happening in the OTT space. This is like uh, over the top uh, players, right? Okay. So, your, so this is your streaming services, your show maxes, etc. So uh, as like in this digital space, something is going to give. Right. I mean, I had been doing your linear television for eight years. Uh, not that I was getting bored, but I, I just wanted a new challenge. So I looked at behaviors that would make people adopt, you know, these certain OTT services. But then at the same time, what's causing them to shift um, between the available you know, services, right? Um, so I kind of like looked at behaviors, one thing. And then uh, coupled with that, I looked at, you know, another theory, w which was the theory of uh, willingness to pay, um, look at, looking at things like uh, price, looking at things like picture, picture quality and how these at attributes uh, make people choose the, the, the service that they choose. And it's quite interesting, actually, uh, especially in our market, uh, what, what, what the results uh, came back as. Um, and from that, that's when I was like, actually, this is where I want to be. Right, so it, it my paper really did help me in a way, um, but I didn't think it would happen as soon as it did, because um, I mean I was still enjoying DSTV and I was still enjoying you know producing television for uh, for, for for people who want to be told when to watch a show versus people who want to watch it when they want to watch it. Yeah, that level of customization. Incredible. I, mean, I would speak with you all day. There's so many yeah. stories to, to learn from you and all that. But uh, <laughs> thank, thank you so much for joining us today on the LeadTV podcast and for sharing your story and filter as you did. Thank you very much, Lennox. I appreciate your time. An incredible story I learned today about sometimes rejection is a window for redirection and certainly enjoyed my conversation. Hope you enjoyed as much as I did. But uh, remember that you can catch the podcast and catch up on all the other episodes that we've been recording this season, all about growth and progress. Catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube if you want to get the visual content of the show. But uh, if you want more information on the podcast, go to up.ac.za forward slash lead up you'll be able to get more info over there but this production is probably brought to you by the University of Pretoria's alumni relations office our head of content is Samantha Castle and Alna Schutz whilst our audiovisual team is Moropa Communications but till we meet again it's nothing but love and light goodbye